No. I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. On behalf of the Lifehug team, thank you for watching this video. And for more clips and beneficial content, please subscribe to the Lifehug channel, your number one source for personal Islamic development. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to season two of the Lifehug podcast. Today's episode is going to be inshallah incredible and it's going to be stimulating. And how will I uphold the amana of having an episode that's both going to be incredible and stimulating because the guests that I have with me today will help, inshallah, uh, make us uphold that amana because he is incredible and stimulating as well. And we have with us none other than Sheikh Uthman ibn Farooq. Jazakma khair for joining us, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair, doctor. It's a pleasure being here. Yes, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us uh, today. Uh, I have uh, actually just newly discovered you online and I've uh, been able to uh, witness some of the uh, debates, not debates, but you know how people like to come debate your daya and people like to come and debate with you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've seen some of those interactions, alhamdulillah. And I really appreciate uh, the perspective and the quwa that you bring to the da'wah. <coughs> and um, you're currently uh, an imam, correct? Majid al-Rabat. Yes. And you, you also um, are in collaboration with One Message Foundation, correct? Yes. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa salatu salam ala khatib al-anbiya ashraf al-mursaleen. So I uh, work a regular job. I work in the medical device industry. Uh, that's what I do to earn a living. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I have a wife and four kids. So that's a full-time job in itself, as you can imagine, especially for yes. homeschool kids. Um, yes. And for homeschool kids with the rule at home saying that if it's not an A, it's an F. So <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> that's not yeah. easy. I, I yeah. don't know exactly what you're talking about, right? Because uh, we have, oh, okay. uh, you know, alhamdulillah, three children. We also do homeschooling and yeah. it's the same thing. And like, yeah, uh, my daughter was really upset because in one exam she got 85%. She, so she was very scared to come tell me that mark. But we how said, it's you, okay. Uh, how did you contain your disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was so upset that, oh, I got 85 on this. I said, you know what, like, let's turn into a positive but yeah we also have the uh the high standards right like my eldest son yusuf mashallah just a quick shout out he just graduated mashallah high school 4.0 uh alhamdulillah so it's not easy of course having uh the family life and then uh, i am the imam here but at the same time we have other brothers who lead the salah as well alhamdulillah yes. may allah reward them it's a team uh none of us are paid here at majdrabat we are all volunteers alhamdulillah and One Message Foundation, again, none of us are paid. We're all volunteers. Uh, the money we get, alhamdulillah, we've been buying uh, materials. And just, just today is the first day. So you, your podcast is going to get the special uh, that we've just put a billboard up, okay. our first billboard. So oh, people wow. kept sending us money. And unlike other organizations, we were like, ah, we're good. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, alhamdulillah, we appreciate it because we buy uh, equipment, we buy materials, we buy... Uh, flyers and 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 musahif and English and so on and some are donated to us, and then we bought a new cover for our tent as you can see where Jesus is Muslim and things, 
but we had a lot more money in our hands. We we're like, what should we do? You know, so Alhamdulillah, we just got this uh, and uh, you can see it inshallah there. Uh, yes. So this is, uh, you know, Jesus is coming and Jesus is a Muslim. Are you? Oh, okay. so, yeah, yeah. That's no, our, very, very good, more. very good. Alhamdulillah. So yeah, at the masjid, we also have durus. So I teach, yeah. uh, right now I'm teaching fiqh uh, from a book called Zad al-Mustakni'a. Uh, and this is on Wednesdays after Maghrib. And we also have a seerah al-Nabawiyah min ahadith al-Sahihah. So it's a, the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from the authentic narrations. And that is on Saturdays after Maghrib. So we have the Masjid Ribat channel. That's where we put the durus. And we have the da'wah. So every Sunday I go out <coughs> with the brothers from OMF and uh, we go out, put a table. We've been doing this for years before. We didn't used to record or anything. Uh, we put a table out, we put, we put pamphlets out, we, we give out uh, English uh, translations of the Quran and uh, we give da'wah. And as you've seen, some people want to debate. We're okay with that. I mean, we don't mm -hmm. mind ending people's careers, but, uh, yeah. but you know, that's not what we go out for. Yeah, <laughs> we go yeah. out to give da'wah. And we have other brothers, mashallah, that are not from OMF, that also go on Saturdays. We have other brothers that go to different areas. So, I mean, alhamdulillah, it's not uh, just me or just a couple of people. This, in San Diego, we have a nice vibe right now for da'wah. And we're hope to, hoping to grow it, inshallah. So if other cities are interested in starting the da'wah, contact us. Uh, we don't want any money. We don't want anything else. But we want to work together for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Grassroots, no government support, no yeah. agencies, no national organizations just people you know people doing it for the sake of allah yeah and i believe you know that's a i believe a more powerful and lasting approach uh myself as well like we've been doing for the past 20 years in western canada and only this past year because of covid we i used to give haraqat at the uh, university every week and because you know the university was closed down in, in in terms of having physical classes and all those things we started to pivot online. And so we started doing these online, you know, podcasts instead of the halaqat, and then it just became a new thing that we started to do. So um, yeah, we were doing the same thing in person and campuses and, uh, you know, trying to do a few training courses, developmental courses and things like that. Uh, before we uh, actually talk about, um, get into a lot of the, you know, current topics and, you know, what you're engaged in right now. I just want to take a step back because we both spoke about uh, how we are approaching the development of our children, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, and, and I'm sure if you reflect, because I'm familiar with your story, when you reflect upon your background, you know, how you came up and how mm -hmm. you're bringing up your children, it's pretty different, right? Like, it's a very different uh, experience. Yeah, night. Yeah, totally opposite. Yeah, right. It's a different, completely different life experience, and something major happened to you uh, as a turning point uh, in your life. And do, yeah. if you can just, you know, refresh our audience or introduce our audience to what that was, because you were actually coming up from the gang life, correct? Like the Latino I gangs was, uh, and. So I'm I'm ethnically Pashtun, Yusufzai uh, Kabila yeah. from uh, Pakistan, but uh, I never really lived there, right? So when I was a very little kid. Yeah. Uh, we moved to the UK. Uh, I was in Manchester for like a year and a half, two years, something like that. And then when I was still very young, maybe eight, nine, I don't know, ten, uh, we moved to San Diego. And so elementary school, I was in San Diego. Um, you can imagine coming from a Pakistani background, from the UK, uh, my parents were rather liberal. So, I mean, uh, they were divorced. 
I was being raised by a single mom who was, you know, uh, wanted the best for her son, obviously. May Allah reward my mom and I'll give her a long and uh, pious life and uh, bless her in dunya and akhirah. She did a mm-hmm. you know, great job at, from her side. So um, when I went to school the first day, I, she put me like in a suit and a little tie, you know, I looked... Uh, and I spoke with a British accent, you know, I mean, I just yeah. come from the UK. So, and and you got to understand, yeah. like, the school was in the hood, like, the barrio, yeah. the ghetto, the, one of the yeah. worst neighborhoods in San Diego. Yeah. And I walk in, and I'm like, hello, my name is Usman, yeah. how are you, gentlemen? Uh, it, was, yeah. it was rough, man, it was rough. Yeah, <laughs> learn how to fight real quick, you know. Yeah, and they're probably like, look at this bottle over here. <laughs> right, right, right. No, like, we're going to get that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But... You know, um, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, obviously my mom was working like two, three jobs, trying to make yeah. ends meet. Uh, my family was very wealthy in Pakistan, but, you know, I mean, they were divorced and everything was whatever. So, so you know, we were in the hood, you know, and that's how yeah. it happens. Um, so I, I got into uh, the gang world in a really weird way. I had a, a friend uh, at the time. His name was Wahik. He was a uh, Persian. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they don't like to be called Irani, I guess. So it's Persian, like a rug or something. So, um, and he, he was, uh, his family was Shia, but apparently he had become a Christian to come to the U.S. His mom had during Shah's time because the U.S. was giving out visas to Christian Iranians. Um, so they were obviously very, very, like, you know, nothing to do with Islam. Um, mm. But, you know, we were in school. We were in school together, so we became friends. And uh, I didn't know much myself, but, you know, I was very, very young. I was probably fourth grade, fifth grade, something like that. Mm. So he, he picked a fight with some uh, gang members and then he ran away and I jumped in for him and then I ended up getting beat up by them. So, oh, yeah. you know, it, it, that's, you know, so I got beat up by, they were, I mean, they were like eight, 17, 18 year olds. So uh, I went and another gang was like, hey, we got your back. So then they went and beat up those guys and then I had to get their back. So then I got involved into gangs and I was, Again, I think I was like less than 12. You know, I was, uh, by 12 years old, I was like a bona fide, jumped in, you know, gang member. Uh, so, you know, the gang world, I mean, you know, my mom, she was a great mom, but, you know, she was working two jobs, three jobs here and there. So, I mean, I was out all the time and, um, you know, so they got into a pretty heavy uh, set of the gang world. So in the gang world, the way it works in SoCal, we have uh, Mexican gangs are, and that's who I would roll with because I was too dark to be the white guys and too light to be the black guys. So I was Mexican. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, you're you all under what's called the Sureños, like the Southern California uh, structure of the Mexican, La M, the Mexican Mafia, right? Um, so I started to move up in the gang world because I would always plan things, think things through. So uh, at a very young age, I started to get to like the more leadership level. And we had what we call the shot callers from our own gang. Uh, we had maybe 600 plus members, 600,000, who knows. Uh, but you had like a like a top brass of around 12, 13. 13 was the number, but sometimes they'd be killed. So you have a few here and there. Um, mm. So uh, by the time I was in my, you know, maybe like 15, 16, I was, I was in the stru- top structure, you know. So it got pretty crazy. And I mean, I'm going to summarize here. A lot of stuff happened, but ended up there was a plot to kill me uh, by another gang. We're at war with. And they set it up. One of my other, one of those other members of the top tier, uh, went in my place, uh, not knowing, and then he got killed. It was supposed to be for me, and it kind of just made me think. So, 
just uh, woke me up, you know, and then I started to study and uh, research different religions. I mean, I didn't really go at it with a bias. I mean, I really did start to read like everything, you know, went to I had already been raised with Christians. Uh, I didn't have any Muslim friends growing up. I mean, I had zero Muslim friends, all all bad gang members. And I'll tell you something interesting. You know, I, I had all like all my friends were drunks, drug dealers, druggies. Any sin you can think of other than like, man, but no, no, not homosexuality, because even we had yeah. standards, but yeah. um, but other sins, I mean, they, they always, they engaged in, but I never drank alcohol in my life. I've never touched alcohol, alhamdulillah. And alhamdulillah. the reason wasn't so much for religion. The reason was because I saw people drunk, pee on themselves and things, and I thought, I never want to be like that, you know? So alhamdulillah, uh, never drank alcohol, never smoked cigarettes, yeah. I just didn't see a point in smoking cigarettes. Just yeah. You know, it doesn't really do anything for you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I, I had already studied the Bible because I used to go to Bible studies and church groups with my gang member friends because Mexican gangs are very religious, you know, in, in their own mindset. Like, so Saturday night, yeah. they'll kill somebody. Sunday morning, they'll be dressed in suits with their grandmas at church confessing, you know. Yeah. And then you go yeah. to the priest, confess, and you're done. So, woohoo, a whole week of killing people again. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, so I had a background with the Bible. So I started to study, went to different churches, synagogue, I went to Buddhist temples, Hare Krishna places, Hindu temples. And I met some Muslim brothers, alhamdulillah, may Allah reward them. And I uh, started to study Islam, and alhamdulillah, I chose Islam. And then uh, we'll go from there, man. There's a background yeah. there. You know, it's like what I find interesting and what I can relate to is a lot of the elements of what you're talking about, not to the level that you reached or you were experienced to. I can definitely relate to that growing up, you know, uh, you know, some of the things that I had experienced. But um, what I wanted to touch upon or for us to pause is on the experience of death, like losing close ones uh, around you. So losing somebody that's close. Uh, and when they die or you have uh, an experience where you're close to death, that can be really life changing and life altering for people. <clears throat> and have you found like you obviously you've experienced that yourself because you made a dramatic shift in your life. But what how powerful of a tool or an effect is that going through like a near death experience, either to yourself or to a close one to turn back to your fitra, to turn back to your creator? So being in the world that I was in, I mean, we dealt with death a lot, right? I mean, that was, it, it was not, I had about 12 friends that I grew up with that are, that are dead, right? So, I mean, um, the problem gets to be is most people turn a blind eye to death, meaning even us as practicing Muslims, we go to Janais, we go mm -hmm. funerals, we bury people, and you'll see somebody joking at the Janaza, you know, yeah. because we've kind of, We've kind of, uh, how would I say, kind of separated ourselves from like, 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 even though we say at a janaza, like, oh, that could be me, we don't think that, right? Mm. But when I saw death from such a close place where it basically was supposed to be me, like, I was the one that was supposed to go, I was the one the setup was for, you know, the people came out blasting, shooting, they thought it was me, right? Mm. So, that really made me think, you know, it really caught me because what was life about? Money, girls, power, uh, influence, you know, those kinds of things, cars, whatever. Like, what, what are you going to take with you? I, I looked at my friend at the time, Yanni, uh, and he was Catholic. They were burying him. 
and in a suit. You know, I don't know if you know much about guns, but you know, he got shot by 357 Magnum bullets. So I mean, the exit yeah, holes like yeah. huge, right? So they had to patch it up. I mean, you know what they do with the funeral? They they patch it up, put makeup on them and stuff. And you're looking at this, you know, face that's been restructured and holes that have been. And you're like, subhanAllah. I mean, at that time, I was just like, this, like, like all the money he had, all the girls he had, all the cars he had, all the influence, the fear. Like we were at a level where we could. I used to get A's in classes that I didn't attend because the teacher was just afraid of us. You know, we would mm-hmm. do all kinds of like crazy stuff like that. But then you realize like all that's not going to go with you. Like you can see a person being put in the qabr and you think, man, if I had gone that day and it was me, I'd be put in that qabr, in that grave. And my 64 Impala that we had at the time, we had bought it together, you know, didn't put get put in the grave. The money, the clothes, the drugs, nothing got put in the grave with them. So it really, really, really woke me up, alhamdulillah. And I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the guidance and for the opportunity that Allah gave me to wake up and uh, you know and and it was it was a lot of, i mean at that time i had to make a very very firm decision because you can't leave gangs i mean if you're a low level guy and you leave like nobody really cares but if you're high level it's what's called blood in blood out right yeah you kill somebody to get there and you have to be killed to get out so you couldn't really like be like okay i'm done here's my retirement papers you know yeah yeah uh, i'm giving my two weeks notice right i'm just putting my two weeks in uh, yeah yeah in my last check to the house uh, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah, i'm gonna take my uh, sick days in these last two weeks who, who, who do um, i talk to to the for the exit right. interview uh, Who's the where's exit? hr <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. um no no so i mean basically uh, and at that time this i'm talking about 1994 or 95 uh, you know, people didn't know what Muslims were either. Like we weren't, it's not like the post 9-11 era where everybody knows what Islam is. So when you were like, I'm going to become Muslim, they were like, what's that? <laughs> and, um, I told them like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, and, and, and Mexican gangs are very, uh, they're pro-religion. Like they're, they're not, they're not like, like they respect religion. Um, but at the same time, rules are rules, you know? So they were like, well, I mean, you can be whatever religion you want, but can't leave, you know, <laughs> you can be a fully practicing Muslim, but you got to keep doing what you're doing with us. And I was like, well, I can't because if I'm Muslim, I can't be shipping drugs or killing or, you know, doing all these things. So they were like, well, then, you know, the rules. I mean, I mean, I knew the rules because I enforced the rules. And so it was a, a tough time. I mean, at that time, basically, I told him, well, I mean, I got guns, you got guns, you know what I can do. I know what you can do. So do what you got to do, right? And I'd yeah. sleep in my little so, attic. I mean, I so you had to risk my... your life to get out. You had to risk your life of to course, get out yeah. of the gun. I mean, it was supposed to be a death sentence, but yeah, you know, a few weeks went by and they didn't kill me. So I realized that you know it's probably not going to happen. Alhamdulillah. So right. after that, I decided to go to them. <laughs> so yeah. when I went to the where they used to hang out, like there was an alley, you know. And uh, they saw me like, you know, wearing a thobe and imama and beard, you know, like first they didn't even recognize me because, you know, I mean, obviously they were like, is that, is that him? And then when they recognize me, they're like, what's wrong with you? Like, we're, we're looking to kill you. And, you know, we're having a discussion whether we should let you go or not. Like, what are you doing here? Like, you're definitely going to get killed now. So I was like, well, I mean, if you are going to kill me, I mean, I just got to tell you about Islam first because, you know, I grew up with you guys. We went through all kinds of stuff together and I can't have you not know about Islam. So started giving them da'wah, like talking to them about Tawheed and Qur'an and Islam and Alhamdulillah, some of them became Muslim, many of them didn't, um, you know, they, but you know, they basically were like, all right, man, just 
just go go about your life we're gonna give you a pass you know which is very very unusual you know? but alhamdulillah so yeah well, what you're describing is that hidayah is in the hands of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala life and death is in the hands of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is by the mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you were guided because how many other people as you mentioned go through that life and death experience and they don't come back to their creator right you mm-hmm. went you went back to it and you're actually absolutely correct in how some people just disconnect themselves or dissociate themselves from the experience of death even if it's close to them i remember a friend that i had we both had a very close near death experience and the following day i wanted to talk to him about it and he didn't want to talk about it at all he's like i don't want to talk about it i don't want to hear it again what happened just let's put it behind us right but then you know for myself i'm like okay i'm thinking about akhira i'm thinking about my life my purpose in life and all of these different things and um you know what you're describing is that when you go towards allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the path becomes there for you where places you couldn't see or you couldn't even imagine you were expecting death you were expecting all of these things but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it not only uh, you came out of it, but you brought other people to the straight path with you, which I find quite amazing. Yeah, after that, we started doing some da'wah, like we would go out. It wasn't anything formal. We would just go out yeah. and talk to people, and we didn't care. I mean, like this way, when people are like, oh, aren't you scared? Like, like, how could I be scared? Like, we used to go get shot at for the name of a street or a neighborhood that we really had nothing to do with. I mean, I'll tell you something funny. Uh, I think back on some things, and it just kind of makes me laugh. Um... I don't, know, I don't know if you know a lot of graffiti in Canada. I mean, hopefully not, but uh, we used to graffiti a lot. And uh, graffiti yeah. wasn't like uh, just writing on walls. So we would do our freeway signs. And the way we would do it is we'd get somebody to, you know, a couple of guys would go at like 3 a.m. Like you'd have to sneak out of the house and walk in mud and all this stuff. And you get to a freeway sign and you have to get to where you can climb it, like where you can get up to it, right? And all kind of hard ways to get up. Once you got to it, you would hang off to graffiti it. So one guy would put a belt to your wrist and then you would be kind of hanging and he would kind of be supporting. And you know, these belts, yeah. like I don't see those Navy belts with a little metal bar. Yeah. These yeah, are those yeah. like, I mean, yeah. you know, there's a little clip. It just undoes yeah. your dead because if you yeah. fall, the fall is going to kill you. And if the fall is not going to kill you, those cars going at, you know, oh, 80 yeah. miles an hour at 3 yeah. a.m. Yeah. You know, they're not going to see that the car is going to hit you and you're going to die. So, yeah. We'd be hanging yeah. with this belt, graffitiing a freeway sign yeah. at 3 a.m. And if we had a good grip. <laughs> you know, uh, so a, a grip, I mean, just the belt itself could, like, you know, it's just a little yeah, metal yeah. buckle, you know. So it's yeah. not even like the one of, like, the, you know, the, the little metal part goes through a hole. It's not like that. This is just a little metal yeah. bar. It's, it's, I don't know, they call them Navy belts. Here we call them Cholo yeah. belts, whatever. And, yeah. and I think back on that, like, we took that chance for what, right? Yeah. So today as a Muslim, I'm never afraid, alhamdulillah, I'm not afraid of anybody's hate. I'm not afraid of yeah. being labeled or called or looked at because, you know, we went through all that kind of stuff for nothing. What we're doing is for Allah. What we're doing is for the Akhirah. What we're doing, we're getting ajr for every second. So alhamdulillah, I mean, those experiences really kind of solidified my commitment. And I said, you know, that's it. I mean, once my father used to say something to me, may Allah have mercy on him. Uh, he passed away. He said, never halfway do anything. Like, if you're going to do something, just do it all the way. If you're going to be a bad guy, don't like steal candy and little things like rob bank. I mean, that, that, that part of the advice is not very good advice. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, you would like just, you know, be a mafioso, like 
do that. Yeah. If you're going to be good, be very good. Like, like do your best to be as dedicated yeah. as you can. And, you know, uh, I took his advice both ways. But <laughs> um, alhamdulillah, yani, uh, we started to give da'wah and things. And then, you know, I used to go, I, I wanted to study. Like, I, I didn't want to just be by name or a weekend Muslim. Like, I really wanted to learn more. And the people I was around at the time, they were like, eh, don't worry about studying. Just just come to the masjid, do your amal, this, this, this. So I had to kind of get away from that company and kind of progress past that. And I started to study with some shuyukh and went, you know, quit my job, collected money, went overseas, studied with some ulama, came back, you know, collected more money, got married, had kids, still left everything, went to go study. And alhamdulillah, I continued mostly like one-on-one with shuyukh in their houses and libraries and masajid um, until I, you know, some of my teachers were like, you should do some more formal studies, even though I mean, I would come back, I got my bachelor's in IT, I got my master's in executive MBA. Um, so, you know, I, mean, I had I had a master's already, but I was still studying Islam on the, on, on the side, I guess you could say. And I quit everything. I went to Pakistan uh, to study a book called Al-Fiya ibn Malik with the Sheikh Abedur Rahman in uh, Mahad al-Lughal Arabiya. It's from the Islamic University in Islamabad. And then there was a Sheikh Dr. Suhail Hassan, a Sheikh Abu Muhammad Aminul al-Bishawri, and those uh, great, great scholars, mashallah. Uh, Sheikh Abdul Salam Rustami, may Allah have mercy on him, passed away, great mufassir of the Quran. And uh, they encouraged me to do my master's there. So I applied uh, for uh, MPhil, it's called MPhil in Hadith. And alhamdulillah, I got my master's in Hadith. And then I continued to study with some shuyukh, like uh, individually through like the Qutub of Sunnah, to get ijazat and asanid and so on. And then I came back, alhamdulillah, and I started uh, durus here in the masjid. I, I used to always teach something when I came back, just a few friends, whatever. Didn't really matter if how many people or big, but uh, we used to have it, alhamdulillah, and then we came back and continued it. And then there were brothers who set up the da'wah while I was gone. I mean, like actual organizations, and we joined with them. And then our brother, Mukarram, may Allah reward him with the One Masjid Foundation. And alhamdulillah, so in the da'wah, we used to go out, just give da'wah, didn't record nothing. And then uh, some of the brothers, mashallah, Mukarram especially, was like, you know, you gotta, gotta record these interactions. You know, people can benefit from them. I was like, All right. And then, alhamdulillah, yeah. the da'wah has been taken off. And uh, you know, a lot of people have been uh, entering the fold of Islam, even from just the video, not, not even here in San Diego. We get messages all the time. People are like, I saw your video. Alhamdulillah, I wanna become Muslim. We contact them, they take the shahada. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. One thing I appreciate about your journey for Ilm is you didn't allow excuses to stop you. You actually found solutions and pathways to attain that Ilm. There's a a few things I want our audience to appreciate. And that is one is that, you know, in terms of funding, a lot of people, until I get some type of funding, I get some type of scholarship and I'm going to do it. Alhamdulillah, you self-funded. People like you didn't mention now, but I've heard you mention it before, how you self-funded yourself. Uh, you weren't part of an official institute. You were doing it like you wanted to learn for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the alm. And a lot of times people get caught up with getting the degree or the designation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then once they get the degree and designation, then, you know, that passion maybe is not equivalent to the degree or des- designation, right? In terms of teaching or giving da'wah. So I think those are a few things that we, uh, that I like, I really appreciate from your story is that you found a path, you didn't have excuses, where sometimes we'll give ourselves 10 excuses not to do something. Uh, you found, uh, you know, pathways to get what you wanted to get done. 
and uh, your initial inclination was for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. It was not necessarily to get that degree or that designation, which is very important because ilm is to be practiced is for amal, not for the designation, right? That's the purpose of ilm, is for it to be operationalized. You know, just to your point, uh, I applied at the Islamic University of Medina and I didn't get in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, I had gotten married and they were like, well, you can't be married. And I was like, well, you know, I know myself and I'm not going to test my iman by not being married. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I was like, so, you know, a lot of brothers I know, when they don't get in, that's it. Like, that's the end of it, right? They're, they they kind of get disheartened or... You know, but that, that's such uh, the incorrect way. I mean, you, you really have to understand that uh, the one who have the most khashi of Allah from the slaves of Allah are the ulema. So when you want to seek ilm, it should be so you can gain the khashi of Allah. Not so you can be called Maulana or Hazrat or Doctor or uh, Sheikh or Alim or whatever else, Hafiz and Qari. You know, it's so pathetic nowadays when you see somebody introduce themselves as ulema. Yani, I'm an alim. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know, a yeah. he has a book called Man Qalana Alim Fahuwa Jahid. There's a hadith by the same reference, but the hadith is da'if. But the concept is correct. Whoever says I'm an alim, you know he's a jahid. Yani. And Man uh, <laughs> yeah. Qalana Alim Fahuwa Jahid. And subhanAllah, today people like introduce themselves Mawlana. Oh, you know what yeah. Mawlana means? Like in, in linguistically, yeah. I'm sure you know, but for your audience, yeah. Mawlana means our protector. Mawla, yeah. one who protects. Mawlana, Jama, our protector. Mm. So imagine, just from a linguistics of it, right? Like you're going up to somebody and saying, I am our protector, Ahmad. What? Mm. Our protector? Mm. Like what? <laughs> I mean, mm. if somebody calls you Mawlana, like that's a whole different issue, right? But calling yourself Mawlana or calling yourself uh, I am a hafil. Mm. Like you protected, like what? I mean, like you see the uh, the ulama of the past, Sheikh Abdulaziz ibn Baz, rahmatullah Even though he's not, and he's somewhat recent. I was reading one of his books, and he and he and he ended it by saying, "Al Abd al-Daif, al-Faqir al-Allah." this this is what he called himself: a weak slave and the one in need begging Allah. Mm. And these are the ulama. These are the muftis of this ummah. Sheikh Abdulaziz ibn Baz, and then you look at some kid that's like 15 years old and he's like, I'm a Molana. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you yeah. doing, right? So yeah. it's very important. And when I went through my life, when I started to seek knowledge and I had people that would, you know, I would meet in Saudi or Emirat, they'd be like, hey, mashallah, you're out here, you're studying, you know, we'll fund you. Like, don't worry about it. You know, we, we're, you know, they're rich people and stuff that you would meet and they'd be like, we'll take care of you. And I, and I, I always turned it down. Alhamdulillah, I haven't accepted a single penny from anybody because I believe in following the Salaf al-Salihin mm. in action, not in just wording, right? Mm. So when you look at the Salaf of this Ummah, uh, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, for example, one of the great uh, Imam and scholars of Hadith and Aqidah and Fiqh and so on, he never took money, like even from his own students, even from when the government was, was you know, at one time in his life when they were actually, you know, good with him because, you know, he had been, the whole fitna of the mihna had gone and they offered, he never accepted it. Once he was going to go study with the Razak al-San'ani in Yemen and he ran out of funds and his students and then told him, look, we'll fund you, like, don't worry about it, you know, we'll give you. And, you know, he told one of them very lovingly, he said, if I was to accept from anybody, I would have accepted from you, but I don't accept it, you know. 
and he sold himself into indentured servitude and it's like temporary slavery like where you have get a certain amount of money then you have to do a certain amount of work and until then you're a slave so students would tell him oh imam yani, at this time if you instead of doing this hard labor if you were teaching or learning imagine how much more you could do right yeah. and i get told that all the time like if you quit your job imagine how much more you could do right and i always answer with this imam ahmed ibn hanbal you know how many hadith he memorized he memorized one million hadith and that's such an amazing thing because they didn't have a word for one million at the time in arabic arabs mm-hmm. didn't know how to count that high <laughs> so they said alf alf hadith a thousand thousand three zeros three zeros right uh, like today yeah. we say million, but that's uh, that's not an Arabic word because Arabs didn't yeah. okay, couldn't count that high. <laughs> yeah. So they said alf alf hadith, and and this is not that they're all individual mutun, but because they're assigned as different ahadith. Nobody that I know of from the scholars of Islam memorized these many ahadith, even those that sat at the king's footsteps and got paid and 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 had nothing else to do but memorize hadith did not memorize as much as Imam Ahmad. He collected the largest original work of hadith meaning later on you can take books and compile them into as many as you like but from like the bukhari and abu Dawood and the tirmidhi ibn Majah, those asal those books that the sanad where the rawi actually talks to the muallif from those the largest of them is the muslim imam ahmed right mm. all of this while you know when, when he was in prison for example his son abdullah he said my father used to make 300 nafal rak'at in a day yeah. Imagine three, like try it. Like I tried it, I didn't go very far. <laughs> you know? So, so this is the salaf of this ummah. These are the great examples. So we need to strive for that. Look, don't let yeah. anything stand in the way of you seeking knowledge. I have students that are paraplegics. They, they, they can't even get up from a chair. But alhamdulillah, they watch all the videos. They, they, they take notes and in, 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 you know, using technology and things that they can use and. Subhanallah, they didn't let that get in the way of them seeking knowledge and they have more knowledge than many people that Allah has given all the facilities. Right? Mm, yeah. So we ask Allah to give us that motivation. You, you, you know, uh, I think people fail to understand that when a person is able to commit their life for something that deeply and they're not affected by money, how powerful that message becomes, uh, how powerful their presence becomes. Uh, you know, if I, you know, reflect upon that interaction that you had not too long ago with that the group of Christian apologists, right? So, uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. The, the gang that that came to, you know, um, blindside you at the Dawa booth, and um, I, I remember one of the things that you were mentioning, and that was almost like you were setting down the authenticity gauntlet. Okay, demonetize your accounts. You know, take away your Patreon accounts and all those things. Uh, let's see whose mission is based on money. Let's yeah. see who's authentic. Let's see who's who really believes in uh, what they're preaching and what they're calling to. And you know, it reminded me of you know in the ayahs for the Lanam, you know, ayah ninety, where you know Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, or you know, you know, no reward. Uh, I ask of you of this, you know, give you the message of the Quran, right? So uh, that in in and of itself, that's a tradition of the NBA. You know, that's yeah. uh, to me, that's the sunnah of the NBA, that you're giving the message not for necessarily a monetary reward. But do you feel that there is a big fitna for many of the du'a that they get involved in the money side of things too much? Because myself growing up in the past, 
you know, how many years, like I've seen a big change. I've seen like a, almost like a commercialization or adopting a lot of that, you know, evangelical approach, you know, the Christians had uh, in terms of, uh, you know, money and, you know, trying to get different gifts and things like that. Have you seen that now become a big fitna for the du'at? No doubt. Um, first thing for those guys that came out, I mean, these guys, one of them and some of our brothers did some research. He has a group of Christian fundamentalists, whatever, I don't know, evangelical, whatever you want to say, donors that have to come up with $10,000 a month or he won't do his uh, his dawah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. this is we found all these records, you know, so we, we've yeah. I mean, I, I'm just one person. There's many other brothers that I don't even know that send me documents. I mean, uh, one of them, we found his divorce papers and how he beat his wife and how, she, you know, he talks all this stuff. But and we have that in our back pocket. Let him let 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 uh, Sammy the bull come back. We'll, we'll show him what's up. But uh, but one of them, uh, Mr. Hammertai, I mean, he we spoke to him and I put that challenge. Like you said, I said, look, you know, I don't get paid. I mean, Alhamdulillah, one message foundation gets money and we use that money to buy material, to buy cameras, to buy the billboard we just bought and so on. But I don't get paid for this. Like, I don't take a single penny from the masjid or from the organization. You do the same. Like, like get rid of all your patron. Raise money for your congregation, no problem, for your da'wah, but not for you, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, as you know from the video, none of them accepted that, right? Yeah. Right when he went back, he made a video pleading for money. Like, right when yeah. he went back. And the brother said, now, to be honest, we don't even watch this stuff. But the brother sent it to me. I saw the, the title. I did not even click on it, you know? Because these guys are about money. In the end, they get yeah. that Islamophobe money, you know. And and if they're not, then the challenge is still out there. I mean, if they're watching or if any of their fans are watching, the challenge is still out there. Get rid of all your personal funding from these organizations. And I, I, I don't take any anyway. And then let's discuss, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm doing this for the sake of Allah. I know my Allah will reward me for it. And I know my Allah will put barakah in my risk for it. I know my Allah will support me for it. So I'm not afraid. And these guys, they're such coward. Many of them, they won't even show their faces. And you know the princess, right? Princess, you know you, you, you know I'm talking to you. I know he watches a lot of our stuff. So, yeah. she, she so did they did they accept your dinner invitation too? Because you were also very warm and friendly. You were tough, yeah, you but know, at the same time, you gave them an open, which I sh- thought showed a lot of confidence and compassion. Like. Uh, that type of balanced presence, uh, you know, I really appreciated that uh, from you. Did they accept your dinner invitation where you would feed them not only food, but ilm? Did they accept that? <laughs> so we made a, it was actually Ramadan when they came out. Yeah. So we were all fasting. Yeah. They were all walking yeah. around their coffee cups or whatever, but we were all yeah. fasting. And um, we weren't expecting it. Like I actually, to be very honest with you, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't have recognized them if I saw them in a grocery store. That's how much I didn't know who they were. They came on a Saturday when I wasn't there, which is the day before. And the brothers told me, hey, these guys came out, but I didn't really know who it was or how many or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and I knew like brothers had told me, hey, there's a guy named Hammer Time, David Wood. There's a guy named Sam. He's against Islam, blah, blah, blah. There's a princess who whatever. Uh, and I had made a video challenging uh, the princess to come out and debate. And, you know, of course, but I really, I mean, even Christian princess, uh, whatever, corrupt prince, whatever. Um, I I mean, there's no picture of him, that, not that I know of. So, I mean, I don't know what he looks like. Like if he came up to me at the park tomorrow, I wouldn't know. So these guys came out and, and I didn't know about some of the really, I knew about some of the stuff they said, but I don't know about the really vulgar stuff they say. But even then for us, 
we have to show the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We're not afraid. We're not trying to get you know interfaith likes here. We're trying to give da'wah. So we're going to be firm, but at the same time, I mean, we have to show good akhlaq. So I, you know, it's Ramadan, you know, the iftar time was coming up, and I invited them for iftar. And originally they accepted. They were like, yes, and we were, and you know, we were talking about logistics of them leaving and timing, and it ended up they didn't come. Right? And one thing I want to show the audience here, and, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, everything that I say behind their back, I said to their face. Mr. Hammer Time, I called him Hammer Time to his face, and I, I'll call him Hammer Time now, and next time I see him, I'll call him Hammer Time again. Um, Sam, whatever, Hashumu, Hashu, Shashu, whatever, I said that to his face, I'll say it here. Um, Anthony introduced himself as a crook. So I called him a crook, because that's what he said he was called. Now I call him a crook here, and I call him a crook behind his back yeah. and in front of his face. These yeah. guys said all kinds of things about me, all kinds of ridiculous before and after. Especially Sam, you're such a munafiq, you're such a hypocrite, right? That in front of me, he was like all hugs and shame. Oh my God, yeah, so friendly. There were pussycats in front of you, Shah. And all those curse words and name calling and this and that yeah. behind my back. Look, just be one way. Like, don't be a munafiq, don't be a hypocrite. If you're going to be like that behind my back, be like that to my face. If you're going to be good be in front of my face, then be like, like behind my back like I am. These guys, you know, even sometimes like he was he was having little discussion in the background. He would say something and then he would, when the camera's off, he would tell people nothing personal. What? <laughs> and it's all business to them, right? It's all about yeah. trying to make money. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys, if you watch the videos, I, I mean, not just with these three clowns, but others, we show them stuff that, that they have no response. They're stuck. They're, they're, I mean, we have videos on the One Message Foundation of, of preachers where we showed them contradiction in the Bible, and they could not come back from it. They had no response, right? But... Only thing they will say is like, well, what about my congregation? Well, I've been, you know, I get paid for this. What am I going to do? With, you know, subhanAllah, you realize that some of these people aren't even looking for the truth. And those that are, alhamdulillah, they become Muslim. I have not met somebody in my life that is sincerely looking for the truth and open-mindedly reads the Quran and doesn't become Muslim. Right? So alhamdulillah, yani, them coming out was a blessing for us. Yani, we gained, I think, like 30, 40,000 subscribers in that since they came out till today uh, alhamdulillah people send us a lot of love a lot of support um, that that will really grew we've had at least 30 something shahadas that we know of not including people that we don't know about that watch the videos that were directly results from those videos and discussions and debates so we invite them again please come back you don't even have to let us know just show up you know where we're at no problem um we also have gained a lot of hasad, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's yeah. a byproduct. A lot of Muslims, unfortunately, you know, throwing oh, really? labels. And it's sad. What are, what, are, what, are, what are some of the things being thrown around? <laughs> you know, I, I get, I get, uh, I don't believe in groups. Like, I don't believe in joining, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a card carrying member of any group except being a Muslim. That's why. Yes. Alhamdulillah, I follow the Quran, I follow the Sunnah, I follow the Salaf of this Ummah. But I'm not a member of any group, right? So then, but but, but Sheikh, people love to put people in boxes. Yeah, they want to put know. you in a box. They want to find out: Are you are you like a hardcore Salafi? Are you Khwani? Are you Duban? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, where did he study? He studied in Pakistan. Then he has to be this. Oh, he studied in UAE. He has to be this. You know what I mean? Like, 
people are always trying to put each other in boxes, whereas they don't listen sometimes to what you have to say, nor do they appreciate your akhraq, like your character, you know. And I think that's when people uh, are just assessing at a superficial level. Come sit with somebody, come speak with somebody and learn something. You know what I mean? We always say this, you know, look, if you want to know what I'm about, come talk to me, right? Yeah. These people on Twitter and Facebook and all that making posts about me that have never made, that could reach out to me, but don't, right? Mm. The kuffar I expected from them, right? The Muslims are pretty disappointing. You know, we, it's pretty disappointing to see a Muslim try to take a shot at you that doesn't know you, that's either lying or cutting what you're saying. I don't really care, to be honest with you. I mean, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us. We have great subscribers, fans, viewers, whatever you want to call them, supporters. Um, that, that, that alhamdulillah are there, that have our back. So we don't need anybody. You know? These guys, they may be gunning, but they're shooting blanks. We're not worried about yeah. them. You know, let them. Let them do what they got to do. On behalf of the Lifehack team, thank you for watching this video. And for more clips and beneficial content, please subscribe to the Lifehack channel, your number one source for personal Islamic development. The I think it's reflective of their, of their own character, unfortunately. It's really reflective of that because when you actually sit with the people of knowledge, you, you you really appreciate how merciful and understanding they try to be with people. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, there's a characterization, for example, of many of the scholars of the Salaf. Like, you know, they try, people try to put like a lot of them or maybe all of them in a certain box, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the like, uh, as a uh, you know, uh, you know, this was now I think like 14, 15 years ago, but I was in the gathering of Sheikh Ali Al Hudayfi, you know, one of the uh, Imams of Al Haramain, well, and no. he gave he gave like a very because we were a bunch of Canadians, he gave a very basic lecture, but then what affected me the most was his actions afterwards. His hmm. actions afterwards, Subhanallah, he took the time. Uh, you know, to say salam to everyone. People wanted to hug him and people wanted to take pictures with him. And, you know, his opinion about pictures, but he was still like very accommodating, you know, subhanAllah. Mm -hmm. And we had other shiuch that had come and they had come with limousines and bodyguards and, you know, like a whole entourage. Yeah. SubhanAllah, Sheikh, he came, he 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 took off his like, uh, you know, his, his, his outer garment. Yeah. And he put, wrapped it in his hand. And he was just went walking down the street as if he's a regular Joe Schmo. And wow. we were we were saying, can we accompany you? Can we like escort you? He's like, no, 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 don't. He just starts walking down the street, and then a person will recognize him. Oh, Sheikh, assalamu alaikum. He'll be like, and he'll keep walking. You know what I mean? Wow. And so people don't appreciate like when you sit with people, true people of Al, hmm. it's reflective in their character. You can't separate. Mm -hmm. the knowledge from the character. So even if you think you know more than somebody or you think somebody is doing a gross wrong, what? how do you present yourself? What kind of character do you present yourself with? You know? Right, so for me, I always keep my focus on, on the Akhirah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know? So if somebody yeah. wants to derail me with some kind of private debate, discussion, side, I don't really worry about it. You know, mm -hmm. If somebody wants to know the truth, somebody wants to know uh, about a particular mas'ala in aqidah or in fiqh because they're sincerely asking, then I will answer it. And I'm not ashamed or I'm not shy to answer any question. But if somebody is asking because they want to cause fitna and things, I just ignore them now, to be honest mm. with you. I just, you know, block, move forward because I don't have time to waste. 
And a lot of people just want to waste time. They just want to waste time. What, do you listen to this shaykh? Do you not listen to this shaykh? Why did you mention this shaykh? Why did you do? Like, mm. What? What does that have to do with anything? Yeah. You want to know about me? Ask me. And if you want to know my aqidah, ask me. If you want to know what I think, all my durus are recorded. They're, on, they're online. Watch them. Don't take like a five-second clip. Watch the whole thing to understand the context, right? Mm. And, and for me, alhamdulillah, like I know the majority of the Muslim ummah doesn't want to be involved in this pettiness either, right? They, they don't really care about these people. They're just a fringe group that doesn't want to benefit the ummah. They don't want to give da'wah. They don't want to correct anything. They just want to find some fault somewhere and be able to, ha, ah, you know, mm-hmm. we found this fault in this guy and then it makes them feel good about their pathetic lives. So, mm-hmm. let them go feel good about it. It's okay. Let them be happy. Uh, for I, us, I think the problem for, arises, Sheikh, uh, when it becomes highly distracting. You know, because a lot of their da'wah becomes performative. You know, you're almost like perform, trying to perform to an audience. And then, it, you know, for many people, it's like when you're driving by a car accident, you know, you can't yeah. help but look because of the, you know what I mean? It's just attractive to some people. But that's it. The, the, the solution yeah. is exactly as you said. It, yeah. What's the solution to clearing up that, that traffic jam to stop looking? <laughs> if we all stop looking at that accident, traffic will start moving, right? If we start exactly. ignoring these kinds of clowns, then traffic will start moving. I mean, we have a lot of distraction in the ummah today, especially in the da'wah scene. One, no mm. doubt, this uh, bickering back and forth and attacking and stuff. Uh, and it's not even attacking on substance. Like if I if I said something incorrect, I would be more than happy to have somebody reach out to me and discuss with me. And, you know, alhamdulillah, I'm happy. But it's really attacking that, you know, um, he went by a particular masjid on accident. Ah, you know, like mm. okay, you know, yeah. it's useless stuff, right? So, so that kind of stuff you just had like, like, like salama. You know, that's it. These ignorant people don't deserve your time. And the rest of the ummah has to do the same. We have to kind of like be like, all right, jazakallah, we out, you know, uh, and move towards something productive, like something yeah. that's going to improve the ummah, something that's going to improve the da'wah, people becoming Muslim, teaching aqidah, teaching fiqh, teaching durus, teaching hadith, te- uplifting the ummah, helping them, you know, do something productive, like do something with your time, right? Yeah. That, and the second thing, as you mentioned earlier, now I'm going to circle back to it as planned on doing, um, is the whole money issue, right? I have no problem with somebody getting paid to lead salah or teach yeah. Quran or teach hadith. Like, like I'm not trying to um, mm. come down on those people because some people, they need it. Like they need to feed their family and I'm perfectly okay with that. Mm. Um, even though personally I've made a decision in life not to accept money for any Islamic activities, but I don't say that those that do are, are any better or worse or I don't look down on them at all. But when it becomes to be a, a level where People want $10,000 for a weekend program at your masjid. Like, I don't know what kind of brain surgeon you think you are that you're going to get paid $10,000 for giving like one weekend of two hours a day uh, lessons, you know. Um, people that will will bend their views to the organization that pays them. And this is more common than you can imagine. I mean, it's unfortunately, um, you know, people who are outrageously uh, paying themselves for da'wah and, and things like this. I don't know. I don't know how they sleep. Like, I don't know how they stand in front of Allah. This is an amana that has been given to us in place of anbiya. Like, uh, that's a very deep uh, statement if you think about it, right? Meaning that anbiya, it was their job. In the earlier umm, this was the job of the Prophet to call people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the last of all Prophets, Khatim al 
no doubt that there is not a prophet after him so this responsibility and then was given to us this is an amana in place of what was given to anbiya and like you mentioned from the quran the way of the anbiya they don't ask for ajr they don't ask for reward they don't and even if uh there's nothing wrong with getting paid that's not the point that that shouldn't be why you're doing it that should not be what motivates you that should not be like like why I don't charge for durus? Like forget about the dawah, even durus. Many people told me, hey, if you charge, people take it more seriously. I just think, like what if there's somebody that can't afford it, right? And then they'll be like, oh, well, we'll give them a scholarship. Yeah, but how would they feel asking you like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't afford it. Can you hook me up? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like what if one person is distracted from the knowledge because they're shy, because they can't afford it? Don't you think Allah will question me? Like imagine, imagine, if the Prophet ﷺ used the same usul, right? Imagine if you were going to Majd Nabi and Abu Bakr came up to you and said, uh, uh, Salaam Alaikum brother, uh, we're going to have a hadith dars with the Prophet Sallallahu He's going to, I mean, his statements are hadith, right? So it's a hadith dars, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It's going to be 10 dinar. But if you don't have it, yeah. you know, we'll hook you up. We'll give you five dinar, right? Like imagine, like we couldn't yeah. imagine, right? Yeah. Could you imagine that? Yeah. I couldn't, right? No, no. Right. And, and you know, Sheikh, uh, I, I, I don't buy that argument that people will take it more seriously or respect it. I feel you're actually cheapening the island by doing I that. agree with you personally. You know what I mean? Because I have experienced this myself, Sheikh, because I saw the evolution. Because we were around in a time where we had no idea, Sheikh, about honorarium. We had no idea that something like that existed because you had the, some of the du'at and the, some of the shiyukh they would go around and they would actually pay the organizations to help them put on the programs. Like, I don't know if you've heard of, you know, uh, even people from the U.S. we had back in the day. Mm -hmm. They would help fund, you know, programs. They would like translate Aqidah Wasatiya with their own hand and distribute it, you know, mm -hmm. to the congregants. And they would go over the lessons and things like that. Right. And then mm -hmm. I saw the evolution of this commercialization and weekend courses and I, I get the idea. I think that to a certain level to try to attract youth and to make it a little bit more slick and fun and marketable. I get that understanding. But when you lose the essence mm -hmm. and you lose the, the soul of ilm and the meaning behind it by, you know, making it so commercialized. What I saw, Sheikh, is mm -hmm. that many of these people who attended these classes and these courses, they completely uh uh, separated from like the akhlaq and the adab of mm. Talib al-Alm. Yeah, it's like I paid, he's he's now somebody I've hired. Entertain he, me. You're, and exactly. I right. paid you, I've paid you, now you owe me some enjoyment and entertainment. And right. if you're not entertaining enough, I got to go pay somebody else. Yeah. And oh, subhanAllah, back. very little akhlaq and very little adab and very little appreciation of the imp implementation of that alm. You know, you know what I mean? So I don't, I actually, I don't buy that argument. Although I, I agree, I, I, again, I agree with you that we can get paid for it. But Sheikh, when it becomes your primary motivating factor, mm. Sheikh, I can tell you firsthand how many young guys that were wanting to get into the da'wah, young guys who started coming back to the deen, when they saw the akhlaq and the conduct of some of these people, they left. They, it's like they're, they're negotiating with some type of prima donna. Oh, I need this. I need this cereal in my room. I need to have this type of, you know, I'm not joking, Sheikh. 
I need to have this bedding. I need to have this cereal. I need to have these slippers. I need to have this much amount. This many people need to be at the course or else I'm not coming. Literally, a person will walk up to the door. If there isn't this number of people in there, they leave. And, uh, this is not a joke. Just, uh, this is reality. And then many of the many of the young guys who were coming up, they see firsthand experience, and they're like, "I'm out." If this is what this dean is about, it's like commercial. If it's about the money, then you know, I'm I, I'm out. Or you see many of them follow that same game plan. You know what I mean? They want to be now, uh, you know, influencer famous with the dawah. They want to be YouTube famous. You know, I had uh, I had a brother come up to me. He's like, yeah, you know, I want to get into dawah. I'm going to be starting my own YouTube channel. If you can give me, you know what I mean? Like, subhanAllah, the, the, you know what I mean? And the brother doesn't know too much about the deen, Sheikh. Uh, I mean, we see this all the time. I mean, I don't know a lot of these du'at, but I can tell you something myself. Um, yeah. My shiuch that I personally studied with, like Sheikh Dr. Lama Sadiq Al-Manna, PhD in Tafsir and Hadith, mashallah, I mean like yeah. amazing scholar, right? From originally from Sudan, studied from Al-Qura in Mecca. I spent a year with him every day. And imagine this, right? I mean like he's got, a, he's got two wives, he's got a bunch of kids, he's got his own responsibilities. Every day from Dhuhr to Maghrib, I was with him. Except for Fridays was a day off, but even Fridays I would go hang out with him just to benefit from him. But every other day from Dhuhr to Asr, we did Fiqh. And from Asr to Maghrib, we did Hadith. So we did like uh, Umda and Zad and those books in Fiqh. And then uh, we did Umdatul Ahkam and Bulu and Hadith. So imagine I'm taking this chunk of his day every day for more than a year. Right? Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Wallahi, I swear by Allah, he didn't take a single cent, penny, dirham, dinar, pesa, bring it, whatever you want to. Not a single monetary compensation. Yeah. I would buy him gifts. It's my responsibility. Even then, he would be very shy to accept gifts, like mm. a gift like a stick or like you know something uh, for him to help him, a book. And he would, and he would, sunnah, he would accept the gift, but he never, never. I tried to pay him, and I mean, alhamdulillah, I was from the U.S. I had saved money. I had money. I, I had budgeted it out. So I would every week, month, I would take money. I would leave it in envelopes and. Came back to the next dars, he would hand it back to me because I would leave it in his, in his, you know, I was trying to be tricky about it because he wouldn't take money from me. So I put an envelope, close it. We would study in his personal library. I would just leave it uh, in the book place or, you know, in, in, on my chair and I just bounce, right? Next mm-hmm. dars, he would hand it back. He said, if you want to pay me, don't come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is not just him. Uh, when I went to Pakistan, I studied the Qutb al-Sunnah uh, with a sheikh, uh, Allama Abu Muhammad Aminullah al-Bishawri, Allah. Everything we studied, I traveled with him, I sat with him, he didn't take a single penny from me. Not a single dollar, dirham, dinar, nothing, right? I studied uh, Al-Fiyah ibn Malik with Sheikh Abidur Rahman, uh, Muhammad Bashir uh, from Islamabad, doctor. And every day, one-on-one, Al-Fiyah ibn Malik, very hard matan in, in, in Nahw and Sarf, didn't take a single penny. And this was a whole year, right? When all these ulama, none of my shiukh, alhamdulillah, set such a precedent, how could I then betray that amana, right? And then when you when you look at, I have seen, uh, and, and I mean, just a disclaimer, if I do come out there for that or something, I am pretty particular about my tea, all right? So just, you know, I like my tea a particular way, just yeah. disclaimer. Double butti right? or what? 
Uh, I like it. I do put tea, but I like it with a certain amount of sugar, certain type of thing. I'm particular about it, right? So if I do right, come out, right. I do want my tea right, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I came back and I started to teach and I saw some of these speakers that we would invite, you know, people that we saw as good people. I'm not going to mention names. I'm not trying to backbite anybody. Mm. And they would say, I want $10,000, two business class tickets, two suites. You're yeah. like, what? Like, well, what is that for? Well, it's got to be me and my secretary and my wife. And and we need, you know, double tree hotel. I mean, this, this, I'm not even joking. Double tree, two, two connected suites. And, you know, I, I want this and $10,000, $6,000, $5,000 for a weekend. Mm-hmm. You're like, what are you doing? And, and, and okay, if we can't afford that then, well, then I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had, we had people we invited and alhamdulillah, we don't associate with them. We didn't know them. Like we saw, you know, we had Hasnadan that ripped us off, like ripped off the masjid. Wow. Like, what are you doing, right? Like, you can have the money. Like, we don't care about the money. You can have it, but yeah. you really want to do it like that? You know? And yeah. then you realize that this is a fitna. You know? and, and it's become to a level where now du'at are entertainers. I mean, I've seen, I, I don't, I haven't been there, but I've seen videos where, where, where you know, I'm not going to mention the names of those organizations. I'm not into all of that. Yeah. But the, the, the speaker is cracking jokes more than he's teaching. And there's girls and boys, the brothers and sisters yeah. laughing together and joking and having lunch breaks together and the sheikh's like the sheikh is sitting yeah. there like let me tell you a secret code one d one zero t and you're like oh it says idiot yeah okay this is your uh, this is your dawah mashallah this yeah. is what you're teaching your talaba like you know yeah. you, you person can be funny like you know you can crack some jokes but but really like in a yeah. dars that's that's what you're about Subhanallah, it's it's really it's really disappointing, you know, to see people that take knowledge, the sacred knowledge, and 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 you know violate it in such a way. But you know, Sheikh, it becomes like a pattern of behavior. What you're saying is that when it becomes so performative and you're always trying to please the people, you see that like permeate in all other types of their behavior. So their opinions, their stances mm-hmm. on issues. You oh, know, yeah. if uh, if there's social issues, quote unquote, that are trending in a certain direction, mm. they will adopt those social issues. You know what I mean? And it becomes, you, you know, but 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 you know what, uh, uh, Sheikh, like this is actually a really big fitna. And what I don't think these people realize is that you don't honor yourself, not only uh, like amongst the, I would say, people of Alm. But amongst the general people, you know, you kind of end up losing your position as a, a carrier of al. Yeah. You understand I'll what I'm saying? Something else. I mean, one thing they also, I don't know if they don't realize or they, they don't remember. May Allah protect yeah. us all. May Allah forgive us all. May Allah yeah. protect us on, to be on the right path. Is that you? in the end, you have to go back to Allah. And if you're afraid to engage a subject and this and that and now, like like mm-hmm. some of these people, they, they have, a, they have a, a, a lesson, right? And then they give the lesson and it's like, there is this opinion and this opinion and this opinion and this opinion and then just kind of go on. You're like, yeah, yeah. wait, so so what should we follow? And I like, which yeah. is the correct opinion? Oh, yeah. we don't want to say correct opinion. No, that's offensive. Yeah. yeah. What? Like, what did you what did you benefit me at the time to impress me that you know a lot of opinions? You know, like yeah. like they've made Islam into like a, like a buffet. You know, like yeah. oh, you could have the shrimp or you could have this or you could have that. And today yeah. I'll choose. It used to be shirk, but now it's not anymore because I've decided I'm going to choose this one. It used yeah. to be wrong, but nowadays, you know, like we can also yeah. say this one's okay. You know, and you're like, oh, come yeah. on, man. You think you're not going to stand in front of Allah? 
I, I somebody sent me a video. I'm not going to mention the name of the people, organization, or any of that. Uh, but it was about LGBT, and I was like, oh man, these guys. I mean, they're taking it on. Wow, mashallah. Yeah. And you watch the video, and it's, they don't talk about it. And it's all about, well, you'll yeah. find the Prophet with the weak and needy and this and this. And you're like, so yeah. what about the issue of LGBT? You know, and you're like, they yeah. totally just skip over it because whatever reason, I'm not going to, you know, uh, doubt people's intentions and all that. But, you know, I guess millions of dollars in government grants aren't easy to give up. Um, but for me, so, in so the so end, Sheikh, how, do we how do we balance this? Because on one hand, I do feel like, you know, if we have a, a scholar, we have somebody who's knowledgeable, we should do our utmost best to treat them right. Like, you know, because myself, I go to professional uh, conferences and you'll have a doctor speaking at that conference and we'll sure. treat them really good, give them good honorarium. I think, you know, people who are teaching us the dean have even a higher position than that. So how do we how do we strike the balance between treating them very good and then going into israf or uh, you know, potentially being a fitna for them and the people. Like, what what is the balance? I mean, as anything in life, as you know, uh, balancing is not easy, right? It's, it's going to some take yeah. some ishtihad here, but but mm. but it's very simple, right? Which is that look, it's our job to honor our ulama, right? Like my own shiuch, um, even if they didn't take money from me, it was my job as a talib alim to any get them gifts, uh, get them whatever I could, you know, in whichever way I could, you know, you know, with some shuyukh, I've done things like bought groceries and left in front of their house and just left and, you know, didn't let them know it was me. You know, I mean, I've uh, I've done things like this uh, because it, it's our responsibility to respect our shuyukh. And you're totally correct that, uh, you know, as a professor or a speaker comes to, you know, and I go to professional trade shows as well, and they get treated with respect. Ulema definitely deserve better than that, right? But it's their responsibility not to want it, right? For example, calling somebody a sheikh. Like I'll tell you an easy example, right? If somebody wants to be called a sheikh, this is their problem. They will, they will, they will mess themselves up. But it is our job to call our shiuch shiuch, right? So my sheikh, uh, Sheikh Sadiq, he didn't like to be called a sheikh. So when I would say uh, sheikhuna, he would tell me, La hadha, like don't say this. Right? Mm -hmm. And I would say, Ala sheikhuna. <laughs> And I would respect what he's saying, but I would still call him a sheikh because he was a sheikh. He deserves mm -hmm. that title, right? So mm -hmm. our job is to respect and love and, and spend money on and give gifts to and try to find, like, you know, one of the things we did in Pakistan was some of the shiuch that didn't accept money, but they had wives, they had children. I mean, they obviously they had bills. Is we got together some of the businessmen there and we said, hey, you guys have ventures, you guys have business stuff going on. Involve the sheikh as a silent partner, right? Meaning, uh, like one of the brothers, his business was that he would get uh, emeralds and rubies, whatever, from mountains, and he would go out in Afghanistan and he would find a mountain and then he would, you know, buy the rice and so on and so on and so on. And we said, okay, this sheikh, make him a partner. So he said, hey, sheikh, you, you're going to be my partner. You put in money. I'll put in my money as well, equal amount, and then I'll do all the effort. Like I'll do all the mm -hmm. stuff. You don't need you. You teach the knowledge, and whatever we get, profit or loss or whatever, we'll share them, right? So, alhamdulillah, through that we made an income for some of these shoe where they had independent businesses, where they didn't have to beg the masjid, they didn't have to beg committees, they didn't have to be slaves to some kind of uh, organization and this, right? So we as the Muslim community need to step up. We need to 
you know, we had one brother here, may Allah reward him. Uh, he, he, I was on a podcast and then again, we're, we're, we're pretty low tech in a sense, right? Mashallah, you guys are professional and even the email you guys said, well, excellent, right? Um, so us, we're pretty low tech. So this brother, subhanAllah, he sent us this mic. I don't, I don't even know the brother, right? Like I didn't even know who he was. He, he found yeah. the address of the masjid. He sent us this mic, right? Alhamdulillah, I got to know who he was later, but may Allah reward him, right? I mean, again, every time I use this mic, he gets the reward for it, right? I didn't ask for it. I mean, I had one of those old headphone thingy that would cut out and things, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so like this, I think people need to support the da'wah. We have to all be involved. We need to support our ulema. More importantly, when people attack our ulema, we need to stand up for our ulema. You know, yeah, when we yes. get, you know, whether it's somebody to cancel culture or whatever, we need to be like, no, that's our sheikh. We're going to stand with him because he's on the haq no matter what, right? When somebody tries to backbite our ulema, we need to stand up for the ulema. We need to say, look, you know, I may not be out there at the da'wah table. What can I do to help? Okay, I don't have money. Can I forward the videos? Can I make highlight clips? Can I, uh, you know, can I get you on a, a platform that you're not on? Like we have people that we don't know personally, right? Like I don't TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I don't. I don't have TikTok on my phone. We don't have TikTok. But there are many, many brothers that have taken the videos, taken clips, put them on TikTok, and they have millions of views. Alhamdulillah, like that. That was growing, right? Even though we don't even know who they are. So we need to be in that active. Like when we bring uh, ulema out here. They don't ask us, but we still give them. Like we, we get hotels for them, we get gifts for them. We all, alhamdulillah, the brothers that take care of their food and things because that's our responsibility. And we try, we try, may Allah forgive us, to do it at the best level, right? Even if they're like, astaghfirullah, I don't want this, they deserve it. Like look at how the Sahaba treated the Prophet or they treated Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman, Ali radiyallahu But the difference is they weren't asking for it, yeah. right? So when, when the sheikh is like, I want $10,000 and a business class and this and first class and a suite and I want a limo and it's got, it better be a this, then you can be like, Jazakallah khair, sheikh, stay home. We're good. Right? Yeah. And when the sheikh is like, I don't want anything from you, then we should force them to take because we want to be involved in the da'wah and want to make ikram of the ahlul ilm. May Allah accept it from us. Yeah. No, Sheikh, I think you're right that this balance is important and uh, the people who are calling should be reminded. And then, of course, we're all in need of reminders. So even the the, the, the shuyukh and the du'at, because I have also witnessed, you know, when the people, the hosts that are calling the shuyukh or the speaker or whomever, they don't really give the proper like, you know, etiquettes of treating a guest, you know, let alone a person of Ilm. like they don't take care of maybe the the any any of the meals properly you know maybe the sheikh is like allergic or you know how sometimes you know you have the people the shiuch from like you know different arab countries that can't handle spices and you just give them only spicy food and they don't eat anything you know what i mean like are you trying <laughs> so, to punish me here <laughs> yeah yeah i remember one sheikh saying like you know i couldn't eat anything i saw fruits and so I went for the fruits and it was like, you know, fruit chart. So it was like spicy too. So it's like even the fruit is spicy. What's happening here? You guys want me to starve, you know? So like, or I remember even myself, like I was called by a group and the the sheikh, like the, the motel that they put me in, it's like one of those motels that you take to murder people, you know, like it's, it's, it smelled motel so six. bad, you know what I mean? It was like smelled so badly and it was like in real, yeah, I just told the brothers, hourly rate. It, oh man, it was, it was the I'm nastiest sure. place I've ever been in my life. I don't think I've ever remembered a place that, that nasty, right? And uh, so I, I can appreciate when you don't give the proper 
just even basic rights. And that has ha also happened, you know, where That's people have true. neglected That's speakers and, and, and whatnot. And then you have like the extreme, which you're mentioning, where it's like an, an incredible amount of money. And if you don't pay it, I won't come. So it becomes a barrier for da'wah. You know what I mean? You know, and I think that's a, a, not a right principle. You know, Imam Malik, Ibn Anas, uh, great uh, Imam, fiqh, muhaddith, scholar of hadith. And um, if you read his biography, there was a, a very wealthy person in Medina that had told him, every day I will bring you a new pair of clothes. Every day, right? Mm. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty, it's pretty extravagant, right? Yeah. But when I read deeper into that, Imam Malik didn't ask for that, obviously, right? He didn't say, mm. right? Mm. But what he did, Imam Malik, is when he would get those, he would give those out to his students then. Like he would wear it mm. and then he would give it to his student. He would wear it, he, he fulfilled the haq, but yeah. his students were in need, right? Yes. So, so again, we always go back to the way of the Salaf of the Ummah, right? Yeah. Yes, they didn't ask, but then people did step up as well. Right? People did go and support them. People did. Imam Ahmad, when he was in the Mehna, when he was on trial, even though he was on the right, yani the people stood up with him. I and mean, when they said, we'll put a sword to his neck, the people stood up. And, and that's important. Like We don't have loyalty to our shiuch anymore. We don't have uh, yani that, that izzah that we should have as an ummah, that when we say, look, uh, you know, if our sheikh is on the haq, we're not going to let people cancel culture him. We're not going to let yeah. people street him. We're not going to let him be put in, you know, the murder hotel so that you know, yeah. <laughs> he can walk in and you see like different type of mold growing. <laughs> and, you know, I think because of that culture, we fail to appreciate some real gems that we have within our communities. Like I remember yeah. being in a masjid where uh, one of my shiyukh that I used to learn from was the imam of the masjid, who, by the way, um, was graduate of Nadatul Ulama. He was hafid from like, you know, age of 12, 13 years old. He studied in Saudi. He did masters. He did PhD in Asur al-Fiqh. His recommendation was written by Sheikh bin Baz. You know what I mean? He has masters What's in political name? science. Uh, Sheikh uh, Muhammad Iqbal Nadwi. So he's, uh, uh, I don't know. you know, in, in Ontario. So he's like uh, Sheikh... Uh, a Libyan Sheikh that I used to study with Sheikh Awad uh, Ghouri. He also studied in Nadwa and he also studied with Sheikh Ibn Baz and Subhanallah. Gems, you're right. Yeah, and, and he used to teach in university, the, one of the Jamia in Saudi. And he was an Imam in, in the Masjid and he's sitting in the back. Can you imagine this? He's sitting in the back of the Masjid doing nothing. No one's asking him any questions. There's a group of brothers around the book Fadal al-Mal, right? Like they're around like this Jamaat Tabalik brothers around this book, <laughs> just like passing around. And I'm just like, literally I'm dumbfounded. I'm looking looking yeah. at them. I'm like the shit, you, uh, what? What's happening? What you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, do you understand what I'm saying? Like we, sometimes we don't appreciate, yeah, we don't appreciate the gems that we have. And then now with the youth, it's like, oh, are you like, Instagram famous. This is the qualification of whether or not I'm going to take knowledge from you. Subhanallah, I had a, we get a lot of requests for podcasts and things, right? Yeah. And we try to grant everybody, like, you know, we're not really, uh, so I had one brother, Subhanallah, he told me if they don't have a certain amount of subscribers or certain whatever, you know, don't, don't request, don't accept it, right? And I thought, yeah. Subhanallah, like, am I doing it because of the subscribers they have or am I doing it so the truth can spread, right? So I told the brother, look, this is not the way. 
I'll, for me, when I give a lecture, like I've given lectures at universities in San Diego, sometimes we had a very low turnout, five, six people. I will give the same lecture with the same energy in the same way as if sometimes when we had a thousand people. Right? Why? Because I'm not doing it for the people, I'm doing it for Allah. Right? I mean, just on the subject of, uh, as you were saying, one of my shiuch, Sheikh uh, Abdul Salam Rustami, from Mardan uh, in the Pukhtunkhwa area, a great, great scholar. I've never seen a scholar that well-versed in the Qur'an. I mean, the Qur'an, he was just an expert. Um, and he, and uh, his tafsir has been printed now by Dar Salam and so on, and he's got lots of works. Uh, people who know the area, they know him. He was giving a dars one day, a tafsir of Qur'an. And one brother, he, you know, you know they, had, they try to take little shots at you in the question and answer section. So he goes, uh, Shaykh, uh, instead of this, why don't you read Fadali Amal to us? Mm. <laughs> so the Shaykh is giving this in-depth, amazing tafsir of Kalamullah, the Qur'an, yeah. Hadith, and yeah. such a... And, and, you know, so, so he said, and he was very, like, you know, again, the akhlaq. He didn't tell him, like, what are you talking? He told him, yeah. okay, so what would we read in it? And he would say the fadail. He said, okay, yeah. not fadail, but fadail. <laughs> yeah. Fadail of what? He said, the fadail of the Quran. He goes, okay, so what should that do then? He said, then it should encourage us to study the Quran. He goes, okay, we're already studying the Quran. <laughs> so, so we're already doing what you're asking us to encourage you to do, yeah. right? So why do you want us to go backwards? You know? yeah. And people don't benefit from these gems yeah, yeah. of ulama because they're stuck yeah. on that partisan ta'asubi, uh, I would say like a hamster wheel, right? They just want to run in that little world of theirs. They don't want to expand. They don't want to learn. May Allah protect us and may Allah guide us. So, you know, one thing I wanted to also point out uh, with your interaction with, you know, those, you know, Christian apologists, there was a point in time where um, I, I think it was the crook. He was trying to use uh, some convoluted, philosophical terminology to give credibility to the Christian view of uh, the birth of yeah. Jesus, right? Yeah. And I love the way you didn't go for the bait. You know what I mean? You kept balagor mobin, clear message, where you just said, I'm not going to address that. I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you think it's appropriate for God to come out of a vagina of a woman? That's it. I right. thought that was a re so refreshing, Sheikh, because nowadays the trend is like, okay, you know, I know this terminology and let's go back and forth. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like the people are on the ground, right? Like your head is in the Asman and you're like, you know, there's clouds and <laughs> yeah. the people are on the ground. Like you got to go talk to the level of the yeah. people where they that's, can understand, right? And that's also the way of the Salaf, right? Like yeah. kalam and falsafa and these things. This is not the way of the Salaf. Like this is not the way of the Sahaba. They didn't get into these, you know, in-depth Greek uh, philosophies and discussions and things. They kept it real. Mm. And that's what we do, right? We, kitab Allah, and the Sunnah al-Nabi um, bring us the evidence and keep it real. Like keep it simple, keep it real. And, and, and you see them fall apart, right? Mm. The, the trick with this philosophy and all this stuff is then you're, you're your battleground, your, your rules of engagement now are those of kuffar, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't, as Muslims, develop falsafa. This, this idea of developing philosophy, even Ilm al-Kalam, and I know many people are like, oh, you don't know Ilm al-Kalam. I taught Aqeedah. Like, I have a series on, on, on our channel from Aqeedah. I know what Ilm al-Kalam is. I've studied the works of the ulama that talk about Ilm al-Kalam and its development and its roots, and I know all of that. But 
our salaf, any Abu Hanifa and Malik and Shafi and Ahmad, they did not indulge in Alman Karam. Right? And they condemned it. You can read the all of those in my ulema. So why would we go in that path? Because when you do, then now the rules that you're going to have to play by are not Quran with Sunnah. Right? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, even if you're like super well versed in it, it's, it's a trap. And I'm not falling for it. Like for me, Kitab Allah, Sunnah al Nabi, alayhi salatu salam. That's it. Right? Bring, bring your proof, bring your evidences. And this is why these Christian missionaries got so uh, humiliated and destroyed because the basics of their belief is unbelievable. Like, I don't think they believe. Right? Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine somebody saying that God, billah, and this is their statement, the creator of the universe, of the, the almighty, all-knowing, all-hearing, all-able, impregnated his own mom. I'm not saying intercourse, but that's mm. their belief. Because yeah. they're like, well, that's, it's not his own mom. Ha ha. Well, then I thought Jesus was God. He is God. So then it was his mom. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. So, and then coming out from the womb and, and not knowing things and peeing on them. You know, children pee on themselves. Perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. but God, the creator of the universe, peeing on himself? Like, do you really believe that? And, and and I don't think they do. Like, I don't think in their heart they really believe that, right? And when you clarify that with, with clarity there, you just, like, like, I don't know if you guys could see in the video their face. Their faces were pale, yeah. like they fell apart. Like, they're, like they were like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> and alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. You, you know why it was so powerful, Sheikh? Is you used a Quranic technique. Because in the Quran, it asks questions. You presented the way that, you know, for example, in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so do you prefer daughters for your Lord and sons for yourselves? Allah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? You're asking like this powerful rhetorical question rather than going by their, as you said, you know, framework or their rules. Yeah. You're asking something that can resonate with everyone very deeply in a very simple and, way. And some dua, there, there are two things. And inshallah, I'm going to end here with these three points, right? One, some du'at, they're more interested in impressing the audience than, than than presenting the message, right? This is one mistake. Like, don't worry about impressing people of how much you know. Don't worry about that. If you know a lot, Allah knows that you know a lot. If you don't know a lot, Allah knows that you don't know a lot, right? Get the da'wah out. I don't know if you noticed in the end of the video, I ended again by presenting the Islamic aqidah in very simple, clear terms. And we have people that became Muslim from just that end part. That's what we're doing. We're presenting our da'wah, right? That's one thing. Secondly, there are du'at more concerned about being accepted and liked than presenting the truth. So when something controversial comes, they want to jump this way and that way and do a little dance. Don't worry about it. You know, speak the truth. Allah will give you nusra. Allah will make you popular. Allah will get your da'wah out. Allah will give you whatever is needed for you to be successful. You will be from the firqa najya, firqa mansura. You will be given nusra. As long as you speak the truth, like don't worry why about don't, it. Why don't? Why do you think they don't have the confidence to speak the truth? Because they are at a stage where they have what I would say a slave mindset, right? They they they're not physically enslaved, but mentally they feel like if I say uh, that Islam disagrees with LGBTQ XYZ, then I'm going to get cancelled. Uh, if I say uh, Islam believes in hudud and the Sharia punishments, then I'm not going to get invited to the next interfaith uh, buffet, you know, or you know, I'm not going to get my scholarship to Yale or Harvard or Stanford or wherever. I'm not going to get my 
countering extremist uh, terrorism, funding for my or for my institute. So, so their niyyah is not mukhlisan lillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and, and I mean, I, I don't want to judge people's hearts. I'm just saying from what we see, then they're afraid to speak the truth. Me, I don't care. Like you could cancel me. You could get it on my YouTube channel. You could get it on my Twitter. You could you could get me fired from my work. I'm okay. Alhamdulillah. Allah will bring my risk. You could you want to take my citizenship away? Go for it. And uh, I'll go to Canada. I love Canadians. Love Canada. Right. <laughs> uh, you know. We, so we love, we, we love you too, Sheikh. Hayakumullah. So for me, I don't worry about it. I just speak the truth. And then a lot. Then, then people see it. Like when you're sincere, the the audience realizes it. Right. All our growth is totally grassroots and generic, right? Um, alhamdulillah, we're about to hit 100,000 subscribers and we've never promoted, we've never any tried to go out there. Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought the truth to us. And, and, any, and, the and last I think a lot, of, a lot of people actually, they want to waste your time, they just want to argue. Because I remember like when we, uh, once we had a dawah booth and somebody came to one of the brothers and he said to him, he said flat out, he said, I'm here to come and argue with you. Yeah. And so the brother, the brother responded by saying, listen, if you're coming here to argue with me or debate with me, I'm not going to do that. But if you're yeah. here to come learn, I'm going to teach you about Islam. And so That's his it. demeanor and the way he approached the whole conversation changed. Yeah. You know, because either I mean, he has a choice to leave or learn. Look, some of our videos, you will see that I will tell them, look, if you go home, and check this and you find out that it is wrong, will you then become Muslim, right? Because they'll tell you, oh, you, this Bible in your hand, you printed it, you changed it, you it's yours, right? So I'll tell them, okay, go home, look at it on your own. And it's so sad that some people will still be like, even if I go home and see that it's wrong, I'm, you know? And you're like, wow, really? And that's why you realize some people, their hearts are sealed and, and that they're not our responsibility. And it's not upon us except to convey the message clearly. But that's our responsibility and that's the third thing is people need to stop worrying about money and fame and this and that. They need to worry about, am I conveying the message clearly, right? And then the hidayah from Allah, the guidance is from Allah. Like people forget one of the, our guidances to our dua is if you're going to give da'wah night before and the night after, you need to spend making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for guidance. Mm. Ask Allah to guide the people. You think you can guide people? No way. If the Prophet ﷺ couldn't guide his own uncles, his own father and mother, his own relatives, you think you can do it? If Nuh ﷺ couldn't guide his son, if Ibrahim ﷺ couldn't guide his father, if Lut ﷺ couldn't guide his wife, you think you can do it? Guidance is from Allah. Our job is to convey it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability. Jazakumullahu khairan. It's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you. Sheikh, uh, we, we kept you for the full time and we appreciate, we appreciate the time that you were able to, you know, spend with us. There's so many other things that I, we would have loved to speak to you about. And uh, I think we can do we'll, this. We'll do it again, inshallah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You let's know. do it again, 100%. And uh, we hope to come visit you and I hope you can come visit us. We can Marhaba. begin uh, the start of a beautiful relationship, inshallah. You're welcome anytime. Marhaban. Anybody wants to come to San Diego, we have a lot of people coming by the park. Uh, you know, we don't. We're not a card-carrying group. Just anybody can come out as long as you're Muslim, the Quran or Sunnah. You're our brothers. Uh, we don't care what ethnic or you know other backgrounds you may be from. As long as you're upon the Tawheed and the, yani the Kitab or Sunnah, you're our brothers. You're welcome, and we'd love to come see you out there. And mashallah, I know that the brothers in Canada be holding you down. May Allah reward you brothers and increase you in that goodness.
I mean, and we're going to get your information, uh, the links to all the different social media, how people can reach you, how people can support the efforts and things like that. And we'll put it uh, links and uh, to, into the description, inshallah. And uh, we ask uh, our audience, please make dua for the Sheikh and the efforts. And exactly. uh, may Allah accept from you, Sheikh, uh, all um, the great things that you're doing and forgive you of any shortcomings and keep you steadfast upon the deen. Ameen. Jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And to our audience, that was a great episode as promised. It was incredible. It was stimulating. And we hope to have future discussions with the Sheikh. And as always, remember, live by the haq, die by the haq. And just when you think life is stuck, tune in to Life Haq. protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.